Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Know Your Breeder. Today I have an absolute legend of breeding joining us on the show. Today we have DJ Short. Uh, pretty much anybody who's been growing weed for any amount of time has heard of Blueberry. And uh, DJ originated that as well as a bunch of other strains like Flow, Vanilla Luna, uh, and many more. And uh, I'm super psyched to have him on the show today. Grambo, do we have... DJ on the, sh there we go. Howdy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks. Oh, my pleasure and honor, sir. Um, I know you are one of the absolute OG legendary breeders in my opinion. And if I remember right, you've been doing this since the 70s, right? Yep, guilty. <laughs> okay, um, and uh, just real quick, tell us where, where you're at and um, just kind of give us a little info about how you got into all this. Yeah, you know, it was a long time ago. Uh, I, I made it out to Oregon. I started all this back in Michigan. Um, you know, like, like all of us, discovered cannabis in my teens and fell in love and, and it, it just helped me in so many ways. And, and it, it was a no brainer, really. I mean, that I knew then this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and, and it was an opportune time, um, back, back when, um, so that, that's kind of what, what got me started. But then as time goes by, there's all these various things, moving out to Oregon, going to Eugene, various connections and, and networking and um, experiences uh, had there all contributed to where I am now. That gotcha. It's like a, a long, strange trip. Very much so. <laughs> but uh, was it so did you kind of fall into it just because it was uh, an interest of yours and you kind of found some other people who were also interested in it? Because, you know, back at that time, I mean, it, as far as I know, it took uh, some pretty big stones to start throwing down plants and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, and this has, I think, been the case all through history, um, supplying a demand, basically, um, is, is the way that all goes. Yeah, there were there were risks, various things, but there were also, you know, um, it was a certain ways easier to hide um, as well. Now, our community has been large for a long time. We've had to kind of stay underground so we don't have this, you know, presence or back back in the day. Anyhow, there wasn't really a media presence. You know, High Times gets going in the in the 70s, but that was more on, on a commercial level. Um, the, the, the things that were available back then, but we'll look at high times and how they evolve, uh, through all this as well. You know, uh, seventies, you have pictures of imported Colombian and, and, and Mexican strains and, and various things going into the eighties. Then when we started domesticating, um, our, our quality production here at home, um, then, then it, it, it just took off from there. It's been a, you know, a work in progress all along it still is. Yeah. I remember seeing pictures from faraway places in high times in the eighties, it would be like, uh, you know, some plants in like the Swiss mountains or something. And it always seemed something so, you know, unreal. And I guess that was part of the, the message, but it sounds like, um, the history of growing it, at least in your part of the woods kind of stretched back far before that. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, 
I tried, we tried those, those, those commercial runs back when the seeds from a much of them didn't sprout, they did something to, uh, you know, make them sterile. Um, so that was an issue. Uh, but then as very, you know, smaller, uh, production loads come through that don't have that scrutiny on the seeds, finally got some seeds that sprouted and, and, and off we go, um, is kind of where, where it, it, it took off and no knowledge early on. I mean, no knowledge about flowering time, uh, um, any of this. I, uh, the first plant that I dealt with was this renegade from where we smoked out on the patio um, and through the pack cracks in the patio blocks came up this plant. And one of my friends noticed it. So here's a pot plant. Oh, excellent. Yay tall. Um, but dug, dig it up with a spoon, put it in a pot, put it on a desk under a lamp and see what it does. You, of course, end up stressing it to death. Um, but it, it's live and learn and, and uh, took it from there. And, and, and away we went. Um, coming out to Eugene, that was uh, 78 Eugene, Oregon, um, and came with my, my quarter, half pound of Colombian, whatever I brought, um, getting, getting seeds, sativa sp- seeds sprouted. I didn't get the indica seeds until late 79 and wasn't really growing them until 80. So all through 79, my indoor crop was all sativa. Some of them were 22 week finishers. I uh, just, mind-boggling but we had no comparison back then it was just you do this you look at it 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 looks better today than it did yesterday (laughs) or if it's it looks like it's coming down a little bit today so i guess it's time to chop yeah but all under fluorescent lights right and and like i mean i went nutty with it a bunch of us did you go down to some some thrift location and you find the eight foot eight foot fluorescent fixtures and I bought a couple of them and take them home and you take them apart. They had a, a four by eight foot sheet of plywood, paint it white, put those bulb clips up on the on the board so that the eight foot bulbs fit in there. Put holes in it, you know, with the wires going through and the ballasts on the backside, <laughs> little incandescent fixtures in between. And we used to, you know, they sell in the store the the plant light, the grow light, that, you know, when a regular light bulb costs 50 cents, those things cost $7, but who knows why they look more blue at any rate, just putting anything and everything in there. And then, uh, building a frame, a two by four foot, you know, a, a two by four frame in a bedroom that held up these four by eight foot sheets of plywood. Yeah. Um, over over these plants the canopy back then was maybe three four inches thick had it lollipopped all the way up to there they got this three four inch oh, canopy wow. un- under these um but it was good it 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 did the trick it was nice sativa smoke and and that that whole thing i've said this before um that that concept of i grew it right and it doesn't matter the the, the quality um, oh, it always tastes better. Always, yeah, it is always nice, you know, and the more potent, the, the better you feel uh, about it. But it doesn't matter if it's couch lock or paranoid inducing. I grew it. And yeah, then I smoked it and it made me feel this way. And it's like, wow, you know, full circle comes around and and, and, and all that makes sense. What, an, things a, what an amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What? So. You know, it was what seventy nine, late seventy nine. When I got the indica seeds, I got uh, my first HID light set up. 
um, a, a thousand watt bulb with one of those giant bulbs that had no um, hood. It was just an open bulb. Um, like a street light without a shroud. Yeah, even, <laughs> but it was bigger than a street light. Those street lights were different. The street was kind of more orange and they had that, that sodium. The amber. Yeah. Lights. First light I got was metal highlight. Then I had a, a, a 360 watt sodium for, you know, kicker. That, that, that was those. But my God, you know, what a difference. So you still yeah, had, you, you guys still had the best weed around, right? Even, um, even with that okay. stuff. Yeah. Um, best for relative to what we were doing. Best herb in the world comes from the tropics. Okay. And, and, and in my opinion, you know, we haven't yet. And, and I doubt we ever will be able to replicate that quality. What? The Highland Wahak and the Highland Thai, and then you know the hashish. We get into the hashish, another a whole whole another thing. It's two 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 separate things. Um, okay, so tell but, but, oh, it's, wait, so tell me what is it about those things that uh, make them so amazing? And I didn't realize that they're I don't know if they're, extinct is the right word, but they're no longer available. Yeah, um, they're rare. I, I they're still available. I'm sure they're still available. Um, I, I look at it this way. We're sitting here talking about this. You know, I'm an old grandfather and I'm, I'm talking to you, another old, old timer here. And we're, we're talking about this um, somewhere back in the world. Highland Oaxaca, Highland Thai, wherever. There's some old grandma. Right. And and she's back there. And this was back in the day. This was the same thing. How the brotherhood found these people. And all she wants to do is grow, you know, whatever was as good as last year. Right. And and so the way that's done in, in the tracks, this is for thousands of years, thousands of years, people have been doing this. And these are mainly sativas. Almost all of them were at least somewhat hermaphrodite. You know, it, I think it's inescapable. Yeah. From uh, 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 equatorial or, or tropical sativa that there's going to be some hermaphroditism. You try to keep it to a minimum, but. Basically, the people in that in that village or in that region, harvest time comes. You've got these different things. They dry, they cure, they smoke them through the you know the, the rest of the season before they're going to plant. <coughs> Excuse me, and then determine. Wow, like this one is the best. Okay, for whatever reason, you know, makes you feel the best. Maybe they needed to sleep. Maybe they needed energy. Whatever it was that made that one the best. Well, those are the seeds they grow next year from that plant, from the best plant. And then you get the same thing. You get the variation the next year and you, you know, uh, uh, sample them out separately and determine. Yeah. I like that one. So there's the old grandma back in the Hills somewhere. She's not growing commercially. She's not growing, you know, for, for other reasons other than to have her stash and the village's stash for the winter. That's the good stuff. That's awesome. (laughs) You know, I mean, so presumably that's still happening. I would assume so. I don't see how it couldn't not be happening. It, it gets distracted. That's the, the, the big key word we're all dealing with in this modern day and age. Yeah. All these things that distract us from that simpler, you know, and, and once you sample it, once if you smoke the Highland Oaxacan or you smoke the Nepalese temple balls, um, you then you know. It's hard to put words around. It's like describing a psychedelic experience. It's by far more broad and full of an experience, satisfying, uh, 
and you know we're doing good i mean i don't mean to knock what we're doing it's just we're we're up against number one the environment of the tropics and number two the fact that these people that have been doing this on this intimate level in their garden yeah. for thousands of years we got some catching up to do now where we're getting close where i like to give hope uh, in terms of our own domestic quality is hashish and concentrates and the things we're doing now we're we're good at isolating we're good at separating and getting these separate things but to have that character that full when i smoke the you know uh nepalese uh, temple balls or the cashmere hand rub or the afghan or uh, you know um mazar or some of the indian milana my goodness it, it just all around the world, Lebanese, uh, red, the Moroccan. Uh, um, it's it's just amazing. So it's it, it amazing. It's subtle. It's very subtle. So you, we're getting closer with the hashish. I think, you know, I had this thing, go to Nepal, connect with the people there, find a family of, of hashish producers, hashish babar, and sponsor them to come here, to come to California and go, hey, we want to do what you're doing there here. Yeah. And I already got my, I kind of figure how it's going to go. If it's an older person, you know, from the village or whatever, they come here, they see the mountain, they go, oh, drive up there. You drive up, you travel around until you find, oh, wait, wait, stop here, stop here. He gets out, checks the soil, checks the trees, whatever, the water source. Here, we can grow here, right? You know, because they, they, they know, they already know this from living in Himalaya and and, and all that let them come here pick the spot pick the way to do it and uh, uh so I, i'm holding out hope in, in that capacity but in the meantime I, i'm not complaining about what we're doing we've got really really nice fine product there are just these subtle differences um character borrowed from the wine and spirits industry that you know, it's going to take time for us to learn about and educate. So, so for myself, for example, I smoked that great herb from back when. I know what I'm shooting for. I know I didn't hit the mark. Yeah. Okay, so. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. A great hang here with Banner and legendary breeder DJ Short brought to you by, made possible by SeedsHereNow.com. They currently and every month have a sale going. It is the Minty Merriment December sale, guys. Too many dates to list upcoming the 24th, the 26th, the 31st. You can get all this info at seedsherenow.com forward slash sales. Breeder of the month is Bog, bushy old grower. 25% off Bog seeds uh, as well as 25% off all mint inspired strains. Every order you're going to get shipped out one pack free femme, gush mints. Um, as well as legendary customer service guys, fast shipping from the States to the States, uh, and check it all out. SeedsHereNow.com forward slash sales. There's that. <laughs> See, yeah, you, I mean, not, not too many people have. So, I mean, I would trust your sense on that more than mine, for sure. Is there, is there a reason that, uh, so, I mean, as far as you're concerned, is hash just the way, the ultimate expression uh, that has everything from that you can get essentially. I mean, that is the sort of cleanest, purest. Is that, that that's the, the end? Part. It's the it's the true end game, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yes, it is, and you know, it, it gets um, 
uh, almost derogatory. I think it was Sam the Skunkman. We had this debate online one time, and he mentioned that it was some, you know, backwater place where the um, hashish people said, you know, well, the hashish, the, the, the flower, the flower is for women and slaves. Hmm. You know, so, so they had this, you know, it, it's, they see us smoking a joint. It's like, you know, going to a wine thing with a bottle of Pruno, you know, prison <laughs> liquor. Yeah. Like, well, I ate it in my toilet. I, I like, but. They will talk know, about you different. behind your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, there's, there's that going on. Um, the best is yet to come. We're just in this interim time. I, I, I'm, I'm part of this. I'm trying to help, you know, keep the flame alive, so to speak, uh, passing on this information and such. But sky's the limit. You know, back in the day, think, think of the, the hash importers, those guys, Mr. Nice and, and, and George, uh, you know, the black tuna guy. And, and what, what they did, they, they went to these dangerous places, you know, and, and set up these deals and, and had to deal with the the dangers there, the dangers of the governments and transport, the boats, the planes, the, oh, my God, to get that product to us. But they did. And to <laughs> surf, know? though, right? Wasn't surfing part of it? For the brotherhood. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The term waterman. Waterman. Or you did boat stuff, you know, you, you knew you knew the ocean. It was a pretty um, cool but, lifestyle, man. I mean, if you could oh, do yeah. that, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, who knows? As far as the future goes, I always give this advice to help keep your mind open to this little factoid. is Africa. See, we know about Indonesia and Thailand and Mexico and South America, Afghan, all these other places. Um, but Africa is, is I think, going to be um, instrumental in the future of cannabis. And that there's the reason I say that is there is more arable land, equatorial arable land in Africa than anywhere else. So they have more land around the equator. Um, and, and there's just legendary strains that I've smoked, but I haven't worked with. And I'm kind of interested. Yeah, I wonder, um, I'd like to ask you about that. So, I mean, everybody's probably heard of Durban, right? And then um, as far as land races, are there still a lot of African land races that are sort of yet to be discovered here? Yeah, I think so. And I think Durban actually, it might not have been an African strain, but who, who knows? Realistically, I think all of the strains came from either Africa or India. Um, and that was the, the slave trade into the Caribbean here in, in, uh, in this region. And then to in America through the jazz musicians. Um, that was our, our, our cannabis connection um, that, that, you know, kept us supplied. Yeah. And that's that's a historical connection. There's been much written on it. Uh, great book on the subject by this guy named Mez Mesro, who was a jazz musician. Um, the book he wrote is called Really the Blues. Really the Blues. I think it's out of print. I don't know why. I didn't read that until just a couple decades ago. But when I read it, the first thing I thought, why wasn't this required reading in college? That book, Mez Mesro, in terms of cannabis, 
You know, he he sold pot in Harlem back in the thirties. Really? They called they called pot Mez. And he he was connected. He was a jazz musician. He was a, a clarinetist. Um, and the, 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 the story is just, it, it's pretty phenomenal uh, uh, what he did. They, they called it Golden Leaf. It was this great sativa. It was being grown in the islands down there, Jamaica, Bermuda, Bahamas, uh, Mexico. Um, and it was really good from what I'm reading, you know. And then Mez Mesro just, he, he, he wrote uh, music for Louis Armstrong. He was Louis Armstrong's pot connection. He taught Gene Krupa how to play the drums. I mean, what, what more so cool. estimate than that? You know, uh, he taught Gene Krupa how to play the drums. I want to so, read this story. Yeah, really the blues, Mez Mesro, look it up. It's out there. It's a nice, easy read. Um, <laughs> published in the 40s. So it's been around. Where, where, where this isn't new, right? This has been around for a that's while. That's cool. So, a, so that's the connection that goes, or one of the connections that go back to kind of the African, I guess, source. Yeah, through the jazz in America, it was the jazz musicians um, in the South. I would, I would expect someone with the slaves too, that someone may have been able to smuggle some seeds over with them on the back of the plantation to grow something. I mean, interesting. I've never heard that before. Well, if That's I were fascinated, the option, I mean, you need something to, to get you through that horrible experience. And so I and you'd want to keep it secret, too. So understandable why we, we might not know about that. So are, are there still like uh, all sorts of undiscovered stuff in, in Africa then that were just well, kind I'm of- sure I, there, there, I think there's undiscovered stuff all over the world. Interesting all over the world the interesting like to what extent like like are you talking about like you know real northern latitudes or islands or everywhere one one thing i like to you know i came to this conclusion and in in just seeing all this we study the the glandular stalk trichome we got that you know the oils are encapsulated in a membrane up on a stalk and that's what we're we're after so we've been told well as far as I'm concerned, that structure was bred on cannabis strictly for hash production outside of the tropics, which is Afghanistan, uh, Morocco, interesting. Lebanon, mostly uh, sieve methods. Whereas in the tropics or um, Nepal, which technically isn't in the tropics, but it has the elevation. But in the tropics, the main form of uh, uh, hashish production is hand rubbing. You hand rub these India, India. It's all hand rubbing. Um, and when I did my microscopic work and I was looking at all these various things I was doing, I noticed that there's a structure that's a hair. It's a systolithic hair. It's just this one hair that comes up. You take a magnifier, you can see it. All, all those nice, clear, shiny hairs, but they secrete oil. Some of them actually, that hair is. It has its little factory of making the resin in there the way and it pumps it out and instead of encapsulating it in a membrane it just dumps it right on the surface of the plant on the surface of the leaf the flower whatever so that you know makes sense you have to hand rub that off it's very sticky very tacky so it comes along with itself yeah where outside of the tropics okay afghanistan in particular you need this thing 
encapsulated in a membrane that can be somewhat dried and stored in a dry form in a powder until we add heat and pressure yeah. to it. And then that brings out the whoop, whatever it is. Um, we, we'll learn these things as this time goes on. I'm sure a lot of people already know. Uh, there's a fermentation process goes on the, the whole nine yards. It's the sweat and it's the all the microbiology that's in your hands. That's where all the good, it, good it, stuff it's comes from. Great book, uh, picture book, uh, Lawrence Cherniak's book, uh, Great Book of Hashish. Oh, I don't have a copy. Maybe over there. Um, at any rate, he's, it, it, it's out there. It's a great book of cannabis and the great book of hashish. Just really, really well done. How the differences between Afghanistan and Lebanon and Morocco and Nepal. Oh, and, wow. And he, he went in the 70s and took pictures. It's funny. He's wearing these disco pants. They had the, you know, the, the, the kind of bells with the... Uh, cuff at the bottom bell bottoms uh, yeah bell well, they're like bell bottoms but they were also baggies kind of okay baggies. well in the early pictures him going over there you see him wearing the pants then all of the pictures of him in the countries you see the hash maker guys are wearing his pants and i think that was the bartering you know pants were a big deal in the 70s man <laughs> you know, led zeppelin Jimi hendrix all like, oh look at his pants you know everybody was into the whole pants thing so I don't know. At any rate, in Lawrence Cherniak's book, I noticed he's wearing the pants. And then later on, all of the hash making people are wearing the same pants. So, so if you want to, if you want to be a serious hash maker, you need to get some disco pants. Well, back in the day, I don't, who knows? Who knows nowadays what 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 that might be? But yeah, uh, the that's the way that oh. goes. So, as far as the future, yeah, I'm, I'm holding out hope. You know, as legalization goes forward, and we get more and more of the world to open up to this and, and you can go to these backwater places and make deals with the local people and say, look, you know, I'd like a hundred kilos of this, please. Every year, you know, and, and I don't know, but, but that's my like coffee. Company. Isn't coffee kind of like that? Sure. Sure. My, my, my domestic plan. I, I, I deal with money people all the time. I like to get this out of the way too. It's kind of an activism thing. I tell the money people, they come in, you know, and they got this notion in their head. They got to build a, a grow facility. Oh, we need to. No, 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 no. Let the mom and pops grow. They'll do it for you cheaper and better than you can. These people, these money people, they come in and they got their, their bottom line. They got their paperwork. And they go, oh, we can produce for $800 a pound. We can make pot. I see you can buy it for 400 from a mom and pop for better. Yeah, we don't want your $800 pound, though. I know it stinks. It's it's horrible. Uh, not horrible, but in comparison, you know, it's it's how, lacks character. It's it's mass produced. How, how but, much but the simple is let the mom and pops do the production, pay them fairly, and then and we're all good to go. The money people then take the product, process it, package it, market it. Those are what the money people are supposed to do, right? Growing in production. This this weird thing happened, and we're in the middle of it, right? Pod was illegal, illegal, you know, for so long that the price would have got a four thousand, five thousand dollars a pound. Four thousand a pound is ten dollars a gram wholesale. All right. <laughs> Nothing. And and an acre can produce a million grams of flour. Okay, wholesaling at $10 would be $10 million an acre. No, I'm sorry. 
that 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 capitalism doesn't work that way. Yeah, you're not the only person that's going to do it. Bingo. Um, <laughs> so we need you know, both, though. I, I feel, I honestly, I feel like we do need both. We do need the quote unquote value added processors. They do provide both. for yeah, yeah, yeah. And but look at the look at the wine and spirits industry. Okay, you got both. There are bottles of wine that sell yeah. for five thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. We can do the same thing. Absolutely. It will be the exception, not the norm. Trying to get the quality up on the norm. It's kind of like watching the the, the beer industry, right? I mean, 30 years ago, you go down the beer aisle, it was Budweiser, Coors, Hams. That was it. And at the very end, you had maybe some, uh, you know, Heineken, um, uh, Moosehead. What was the other? Molson, you know, Labatt's. Yeah. Whatever. And that was your that was your imported imports. Yeah, maybe Expensive the, the stuff came later, a couple, couple of other things. But now you go, you look at the beer aisle, and it's mostly microbrews. Yeah. Many of which have been bought by the big corporations. That's you running its course, doing what it has to do. But then we as the consumers have the option to go in there, buy a six pack of this, a six pack of that, take them home and decide, hey, I like this one. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and so that market will still exist, but what I see going on is the, the, the price point being artificially inflated. And I know, you know, in, in, in the, the market people right now don't, don't want to hear that. And it's not a, it's not a done deal yet either. I mean, there are still people getting two, $3,000 a pound. Right. Um, so well, that it, it, it still happens, but. In the legalization situation that we found, the price point is going to stabilize somewhere between four and five hundred dollars a pound, which is about a dollar a gram. Okay, but one acre, forty-two thousand square feet, one million grams a year. Nothing else. Nothing else produces that much income for that space. Uh, any other crop, you mean? Gotcha. So what and do you? So it's- it's only a matter of time, you see, before someone like the Chinese, they're, they're waiting to see where the price point's going to stable at. And then they're going to come in at, hey, we can do that at 10 cents a gram. You think they'll, and so do you mean that will be imported or do you mean that they will buy operations here? One or the other. Um, and back to what I said earlier, um, Africa. Africa is going to be the prize. We Africa could produce the world's uh, cannabis very very easily interesting so i mean I, you're like me i uh, at the end of the day all i want is uh, i'm okay with people uh having that industry and having the commercial stuff um but i do want um places to consume um and i do want the farmer's market scenario i'm yes. sorry but I should be able to go to the farmer's market and grab some oh. nugs from my local farmer and it's all good. On Nobody that, cares. That, no, I, I'm working with a person right now. One of the people I respect the most in this industry, her name is Liz McDuffie. She's in Pasadena, California. I've known her since I think 2007. Uh, we met um, Liz. Her, her website is mccdirectory, all one word, dot org. Okay. And she has put together this program. Let me just give you a little rundown on Liz. I, I, I like to speak. Go for it. Go for it. I'm interested. Go go ahead. She, she hates when I do this because she doesn't like all this attention. Liz created weed maps and she did not get a penny for it. No wonder she gave it sucks. Away. 
that was that was her MCC directory back in the 2000, the early 2000s was you went on there, you found your physician to get your your med card, and then you went and looked for the dispensaries. And it was this roll and click on a, on a zip code or whatever. And it came up. That was her software. She gave it to um, uh, L.A. Normal because because the doctors at the time didn't want their practice affiliated or associated with the dispensaries. And Liz's whole thing was, look, let's just make this happen. So I'll just post the doctors and I'm going to give away this dispensary part to L.A. Normal, which is where the weed maps guys got a hold of it and, and ran with it and did their thing. But again, Liz doesn't care. She doesn't care about that. But I just shout out to her. She has this thing together right now. It's a farmer's market and it's all online. You can get your doctor certification online. The growers are on there. They're listed there. You know, you click on them and they list what they have for sale. You are already okayed in the system that you have your uh, your med card because this is still staying within the, 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 the med field. Gotcha. So it has to be med. Uh, yes, but it's also the telemed where she set it up such that when you go to the website, Right there that day, you get your certification. Gotcha. It's like 30 bucks, 35 bucks. I think she's charging for that. As long as you can pass the difficult tests. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know, at any rate, then you're certified. You And it's where the growers, there's no middleman. She got rid of the middleman. You yeah. deal directly with the grower. And it's right about five bucks a gram, 140 an ounce. Um, it is looked like a going what? rate, but you can go on there right now, either as a grower and, and register yourself as a grower and set up and then wait for your customers. That is cool. It is. It's very cool. And she's done a lot of stuff like this. Oh man. She gave me you know, my platform. Liz was where I first did my classes down there. She just really took me under her wing and, and, uh, and helped me out a lot. And she said, she's 80, 80 some years old ah. and still. And then That's, do not call her the little old lady from Pasadena. No, that is not Liz. Liz is a, she's a go-getter. So uh, mccdirectory.org, look it up. There's your farmer's market all ready to go. That's pretty cool. Where does, is that like Oregon or California or how does. She's set up in California, but the way she's doing it, it's, it could, it could fly anywhere. Okay. 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 That's an interesting concept. Um, but that's great. I mean, it's unfortunate that it winds up, you know, getting kind of turned over to, you know, profit. But as long as you can somehow figure out a way to keep some of it kind of still, you know, people oriented cottage industry. I mean, that's what we need is just let people do that. It's OK yeah, if yeah. you're going to grow your million dollars square foot. I don't care about that. But let the people that want the good local stuff, let them enjoy it. Just like, you know, there's no reason not to as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and as far as the dealing with regulatory boards and commissions, this is another kind of pet peeve of mine and a, uh, something I, I've been working on for a long time. I have this saying that I give to people, when you're in the debate, if you're dealing with the city, if you're dealing with whomever, we have the right to do this, okay? We have the First Amendment right to this statement about cannabis, it's bold. It's big. It's out there. I don't got to back it up. Whoever I'm debating with will for me. But here's the statement. Cannabis is the safest substance known to human beings. 
We don't know of anything safer. Water? Okay. No, you can drink enough water. No, you can outside. kill you. That's right. That's right. You can drink too much water that will kill Everything you. Everything has an LD50. The only other things uh, that may fit into this category would be mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms and cacti. Interesting. And it's a due to the inebriation that these substances cause, but the inebriating substance, the molecules in cannabis, protect our brainstem. They go to the brainstem and they say, lungs breathe, heart beat, no matter what. I've talked to emergency room physicians who have said to me that when they're in a toxic overdose situation, they prefer that there be cannabinoids on board because they're protecting the brainstem wow. from other substances that you want to shut down the breathing and the heart rate. Well, guess what? Cannabis keeps that going no matter what. <clears throat> and we can't put enough of it in our system to harm ourselves, only to inebriate ourselves. And I guess that's what gets certain people uptight is this whole concept of consciousness. Which they just don't oh, my God, them. you're high. Like, it's like yeah, it's this yeah. horrible thing to be high and feel or, good. Or, oh, my God, you're a perceptive being. I haven't figured that out for myself yet. So <sighs> whatever. But but yeah. Um, so there we go. Uh, I don't even know what we were talking about. I said a brain fart. So no, so it's, it it's all good, my friend. I we were just talking about uh, basically just supporting the con- con- eh, Sorry, cottage industries, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, at the end of the day, um, there are a lot of people like us that don't see cannabis much more than as an agricultural product. And uh, right. it's nothing to be feared and there's no reason to restrict its sale and telling us that, you know, somebody selling uh, flowers at a farmer's market, you know, it's all contaminated and it could be this big health risk is they're the same people who are worried about bathtub cheese. And the reality is people have been doing this for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And it, it's all good. Like we don't need to have all these restrictions on it. It, it takes care of itself. And they're the same people that sprayed paraquat on our pot and let us smoke it. That's interesting, too. Now, and here's another thing. I don't know of anyone that got sick from the paraquat and on pot. Hmm. I smoked it. I, I, we knew it was there. Do you think um, it, kind, it, it kind of like balanced out the negative effects of the paraquat? Could, could be. No, when we you say that, when you say that, where was that happening? That was happening in Oregon? What the paraquat on the, the spray? Yeah, no, no, Mexico. Oh, okay, I, out of the country. Yeah, I don't know if they were they doing it here. I don't think they were. I think there were restrictions uh, that prevented them from doing it. They had their camp raids. They and they still do uh, go in and, and, and deal with all those. But at any rate, back to the, the the cannabis is the safest substance known to human beings. So we are on a regulatory board. These people are, you know, oh, we need this. Why? We can get in their face, yeah. say to them, look, why are you doing this? This yeah. is the safest substance we, we don't known want to human beings. If they bark back with anything like, oh, what do you mean? It's the safest substance known to human beings. Here's what you hit them with. Name something safer. I said water and I was wrong. So Yeah. <laughs> and they can go through the, you know, jelly, whatever, glycerin. I've discussed this with doctors. We talk oxygen gold powder, you know, maybe, but no, they even have LD fifties to them as well. Interesting. Uh, Never thought about uh, it that way. So, so the argument is, is why are we regulating this? Don't you see, this is all paranoia. This is all paranoia that was instilled 
by these people that are trying to instill a paranoia. Now, if the reason that all this is going on is to keep the price of pot up, there we are. Yeah, I feel like in the past it's just straight up racism. Yeah, and, it was that too. And today, it's, today it's been replaced by the money element. Yeah, greedy capitalism, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I learned I, in my, I, I like to say this, uh, I want to get a t-shirt that just on the front says, I'm proud. And on the back, it'll say, to suck at capitalism. <laughs> because I suck at capitalism, I'm proud of it. <clears throat> I ain't got shit to show. For what <laughs> we're, we're working on it. I got some partners. But I'm not going to enter this fray knowing what I know and seeing what's going on. The deck is stacked against us completely. Everyone I have witnessed since legalization, I don't know of anyone personally who succeeded. Everyone I know that played the game, that jumped through the hoops, they're bankrupt. They now. did the work, took the risk. And when they went bankrupt, they got bought out on pennies on the dollar by somebody else. And I see this going on over and over and over again. And I just, you know, I hope it's not planned. Well, so um, and I, if it is, if we could bust the idiots that are behind this, because it's. What are those folks a, doing now? Have they moved on to other things or. Which, the ones who went bankrupt? Well, no, no. Like the kind of, I'll call them pioneers. Um they're just kind of aged out at this point or good question. You know, they're, they're in the interim. They're in this, they're in this gray area with all of us. Like I know the fella here in town had a dispensary. He, he sold out. He, he, he had his partners buy him out. He just, he couldn't take it anymore. Uh, he was fortunate in that he was able to, you know, keep his shirt on his back. Yeah. Basically. But so many people, you know, they mortgage the house or whatever going into this. And then a lot of it, a lot of the problem was people just uh, expected too high of a bottom dollar, especially here in Oregon. Uh, big, big grow up was in, in Portland and I was meeting with them regularly. And I used to advise that, look, they, they were planning on fifteen hundred a pound. I go, look, there's going to be a glut on the market. Fifteen's not going to hold. I said, plan at five. Planet five and anything above five is a windfall. Well, they kept it at 15 and the numbers didn't add up at the end of the year and it went bankrupt. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you got to, you got to take all that into, into consideration. That backs me again to hire contract mom and pop. You need production done. Let the mom and pop. Let somebody do it, do it at a smaller scale. If you're at better quality too. Yeah, the, the, the mom and pops are providing better quality, lower price. Yeah, it's kind of a no brainer, you know. I have to, uh, I, I have to agree with you there, and I do want to. Uh, I, I uh, this was so interesting, but I did, I do have some questions that I wanted to ask you. I have, uh, I have kind of a, a couple different sets. Uh, first, the first couple questions here are really my own. Um, for years, uh, I spent, uh, you know, time researching, growing on the internet, reading forums and posts about this and that. And, uh, you know, a lot of garbage information, but a couple of things that stuck out in my mind when, um, that I attribute to you and, and I may be remembering this wrong cause I'm sure I was high at the time, but I did want to see if I could throw these past you. And there's just three things that I remember about, uh, like I said, it associated with you. The first one was, um, you you were breeding long before we were using computers. And one of the things that seems to be 
difficult in breeding, uh, especially different lines and like being pretty serious about it and taking it, uh, uh, you know, to, to a high level um, is keeping track of plants and, mm-hmm. you know, keeping track of information about those plants. And if I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, that was one of your, your sort of, I don't want to say maybe it's an innovation, but um, did you have, you came up with your own sort of uh, system for, Cataloging and keep track. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? I'm so curious to know how you did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's a work in progress. Um, so starting out, it was go way back. I'm dealing with those fluorescent lights and the sativa plants. When the um, well, first let me say this: that I judge my herb, or what I've learned to do is judge my herb strictly, strictly by the effect of the finished product. All right. I, I, I have to smoke it. I have to harvest it, cure it, consume it, and sit there, you know, from a baseline state and rate it against the other ones. There's no shortcut to that. That's that's how it works for me. Yeah. So, and I read through these questions, so I'm going to answer one of the later ones now okay. about things to avoid, pitfalls to avoid. <clears throat> Be careful about falling in love with a plant in the garden, especially in veg, right? And this happens. You have these beautiful plants. They got the color and the smell even early on. You're like, oh, I love you. I want you. I want you to succeed. I am so guilty of that. I am guilty, guilty, guilty. Me too. I, myself, how do you avoid it? You can't. But I'm telling you this so you can do something about it. You got to override that. It's nice. Give everything you can to that plant that you love. and and (laughs) But at the end of the day, and, and it helps to be double blind, right? That you don't know that this is your favorite plant. Yeah. Whether or not right, right, right. You got a bias to it. You compare them next to each other. And for me, it's baseline state. And uh, um, I have this, this methodology. Now, there are five um, objective things that I can test for cannabis. And then the subjective things that I, I come up with on my own. Uh, first is onset. Very simple. You know, I'm, I'm at a baseline state. I'm sitting there with my bong, my hit. I take it. I've got a clock. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that there's very broad uh, onset. Part of this problem is, is so many things that we're consuming now, especially on a commercial level, are being blanded. They're, they're, they're becoming the same thing. Potency does this. All people care about is potency. Yeah. When you got something super potent. Yeah, it's going to be a quick onset, you know, sometimes on the exhale, you're having a rush on the exhale. But there are other soaring sativas um, where Creepers. 30 minutes after I smoke it, oh, wait a minute, I'm still getting higher. And you can feel it. You can kind of feel these rushes coming on and it's whatever chemistry is going on in the brain. So I make a note of that onset. I prefer long onset because the second one is duration. How long does this high last? Same thing. Uh, heavy hitting indica. My God, I've had some of them half hour. You're, you're right back down. You go way up and then right back down. You ever have the green crack? Yeah, there yeah. we go. And, and the, the coffee shops in Amsterdam love that stuff. Yeah. Right? Well, who wouldn't if you were selling bud? Exactly. People <laughs> know they get ripped off and then they're coming back to buy more right away. That's why it's called green crack. There we go. And so, uh, okay. Onset duration. Um, and, and durations can be hours, four to five hours, four to five hours. I can still taste flow. Flow is like that for me. Four hours after smoking it. If I don't smoke anything else, don't consume it. I can, 
still, wow, there she is. Um, so onset duration. Uh, the next one is I call ceiling. And ceiling has to do with the more I smoke, the more bong hits I take, the higher I get. And it always is divide off into heavy hitting indicas and soaring sativas, I call them. Yeah. So the heavy hitting, uh, three, two, three hits, that's it. The more I smoke, I'm just going to melt more into the couch. Yeah, There's nothing else pass out. With it. Soaring sativa, the more I smoke, it gets more like LSD and like DMT where it's uncontrollable and then just, whoa, shit. Um, and, and the more I see, you can get in trouble. It's, it's almost as bad as eating. So onset duration, um, uh, these, what did I just say? Uh, onset duration. Ceiling. 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 Oh, and then yeah. the next one, no, potency is later. The fourth one, and this one I think is one of the most important ones, burnout factor. How uh, long can I smoke yeah. this one? Before I'm just tired of it. Yes. And and uh, hard hitting indicas and soaring sativas, <laughs> like the soaring sativa, doesn't have a burnout. Blueberry, blueberry and flow do not have burnout. As a matter of fact, it takes less for me to get the same effect now than when I first started smoking it. Maybe because it's in my system, it's in my uh, fat cells already, whatever. But um, how long have I been smoking blueberry now? 30, 30 years? And it's still You're not burned like, out on it, not burned out on it at all. It takes a long time. It takes at least six months to figure out that, I, that, that burnout. Fact. Well, I take that back. Some things you'll know right away that you are burned out on it. Um, others take a little longer. Uh, so we've got that tolerance threshold is the fourth one. And the fifth one is shelf life. Ah, I put it in the no, jar. Orange. And how long? Indicas and sativas, indicas six months, a year, breaking down, becoming, you know, next to nothing. Maybe I can run it and make some hash. Sativas are like wine. Some of them, they get better with age. Interesting. The chlorophyll no. breaks down, the flavors come out. That that paranoid aspect of the high mellows out. It's just... Uh, I've never my, heard that before. My Vataluna cured in glass for three years is the closest thing i've smoked to highland tie interesting so I there's my oh, trying to get close to uh, what i was doing so those are the five things and then the sixth of course is potency and the way i rate potency is on a very simple one to four scale with a point and you know and they're compared next to each other so i do the one and let's say for whatever reason i arbitrarily give that's a 3.2 on the potency scale. And I smoke the next one, not quite as much, but almost, so that'll get maybe a three, 3.1, 2.9, depending on how different, maybe it's a little better. Then yeah. I'll get a 3.3, 3.4. So I make notes on these things. Now, beyond that, I had this uh, uh, alphabetized, like uh, different traits, like, you know, um, um, B for berry. The, the, and so, I would assign two traits to to that individual plant while I'm smoking it. Now, this is not while the plant's in the room, but what it looks like is cured, finished bud, and, and I'm smoking it. And I would assign two letters. Uh, uh, so blueberry was a berry, and uh, what was the other one? One was like I did an X for high high potency, uh, O for orange, um, things like that. F for floral. F was floral and fruity. Um, so, okay. So this plant then becomes, let's say it's a berry, fruity berry, 
So it gets FB assigned to it. I go to the next generation. I, uh, I name that plant FB. Okay. okay. And I got the FB and I got another one over here that's, well, maybe another FB. Okay. That one, uh, male came out of that and female put them together and uh, grow the seeds out from that. Um, now that seed will be listed then as FB slash FB all in capital letters. And that shows me, okay, the, the generation, first generation was FB. Second generation was FB slash FB. Now it starts getting complicated because when I go beyond that, I've got the, the four letters, you know, divided in the middle by two and then you four on the other side. How do I represent that? It just started getting too complicated. Yeah. What I started doing at that point was when I do a grow, I was only working with uh, only uh, uh, five at the most strains at a time. I did six once, was too confusing, did more than that, which was uh, on couldn't do it at all. So uh, five was my limit that I could grow. So I would have five uh, contributing mothers that, that produce seed, <clears throat> whatever their, their label was, FBFB, right? Let's say I'm picking that. Um, and I uh, label them uh, and I'm picking the five things and they're going to be one through five. So the first thing, the FBFB is just going to, that's going to be designated with a one. What I cross it with then, the mail I use is going to be a slash, and, and there's the five different things. If I use the FB, FB, then it would be one slash one, and then I designate the crop by the year. I would give the year number and then the number of the crop for that year. So when you look at my notes, you see a lot of 96-1, 96-2, 96-3. So that was the first, second, third crop of that year, and then I have a notebook where it was written down that the FBFB for this generational cross was labeled as number one. Male use from it was number one. So <clears throat> then I have this, it's basically one, two, three, four, five, six, six numbers. And then, I, but I have to reference back to my notebook to see where, where it all came from. <clears throat> but you but that, so you have years of these records. Yes, I've got a bunch of them sitting right here. Amazing. And do you keep uh, seeds from each generation to go back to in, in the future? Pretty much. See, I've kept seeds from everything I've done. I never completely release something. You always keep at least 10 seeds. Um, when I was shipping buds to Europe, in order, you know, my security method was that I shipped them in the bud. I And then vacuum sealed them mailed it over so that when I went over there, you know, and the people had picked up the seed, I had to make sure that was my seed because, you know, Sagar Ma, the Dutch Passion, could have taken that seed and thrown a bunch of hemp seed in there. Well, here's your seed. So to secure myself in that way, I sent it in the bud. Uh, that is cool. How, and that's how Flo I, won the Cannabis Cup in 1996 through Cannabis Culture. I was over there with Breeder Steve and Mark Emery was over there. And I had these, I'd just gotten my seed collection from Sagar Mada and I was taking them over to Dutch Passion. And we were, we were in the uh, mother's coffee shop. I remember that's where we stopped to do this. And uh, I, I broke up a bunch of those buds, rolled joints, and Breeder Steve was like, this is the best shit I've smoked the whole trip, you know? And so it won. Uh, oh, man. I, I recommend to people entering cups. Uh, to do a soaring sativa like that and cure it for a year, 
Ooh, you hear that, everybody? We, you know that we have our own cup, right? Shout out. Uh, we, no, we, they're everywhere. I'm looking forward to getting back into them. the whole COVID thing. Knocked the industry for a loop, man. Yeah, for sure. We have a small one out here in Colorado that we've been doing since 2000. Correct me, Grambo. 16, oh, 17. 15, I think. Want to say 16, but anyways, they had the weird one where they did it at the Cannabis Cup and then called it the DTZ Cup. So yeah, you know, it depends on how you calculate. First one I went to was 17. Anyways, me too. I was well, at, I was at that one as well. That was we uh, we kind of do that yearly, and um, it is kind of like a, a growers' cup. It's not like uh, big sponsors, and basically you you know you bring your you bring your entry with you, and it, you know it's it's you know some people will think that we're not stringent enough, but um, lots of people like myself kind of prefer it that way because it kind of gives everybody a chance, and it's more of a a kind of hangout, and uh, you know everybody kind of. Just has a lot of things in common, just being growers and enjoying everybody's different weed. And yeah, it's yeah. just more of a social thing, and it's really cool. Yeah, I wanted to do one. We've been, we'd had talk about it for a long time, uh, where the cup is just the blueberry clone. So we take the blueberry clones, we pass them out to the growers, have all the growers grow strictly that blueberry clone, bring it. it back to the cup for judging. To see the differences, because we already know this phenomenon. You pass out 12 clones to 12 different people, you can get 12 different things coming back. Yeah. So start doing some of the, uh, you know, science work on this and the observational, what did you do different? You know, why does yours taste like this? And so on and so forth. So, yeah, there's the, the good. I'm looking forward to them coming back. There is a lot of, I will say, there's a, and, and actually that's a good segue because I'd like to ask you uh, or pass on some questions from the DGC here. But I, uh, before I do that, um, there is a lot of interest in blueberry. While you're talking about the blueberry clone, there, uh, and, and I'm sure it's in one of these comments, but people looking for blueberry femmes and wondering if that cut is coming back. And uh, I do see a lot of people. Uh, enjoying the uh, blueberry muffin. I don't know if that, I'm assuming it includes some of your stuff, but man, uh, you know, if for you folks out there that want blueberry, you got to get something from DJ Short. I just, if you're not doing that, I, I think you're just doing a disservice to yourself. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and, and yes, blueberry is, I mean, it's where it came from. Um, and as far as the whole blueberry muffin phenomenon, um, one thing I've noticed are the additives that we're adding to the plants. And I think that they're detracting from some of the flavors or altering some of the flavors. Interesting. Somewhat. And especially my uh, offerings, because I had always uh, been very, didn't use any newts or, or you know, other, other additives. Tried to keep them as, as pure and as simple as possible, which is why they're newt sensitive. So I think what happens is uh, they get a hold of my blueberry and they're growing it out. and They give maybe a little too much of the wrong nitrogen or something. And that's it that you're not going to get that that sweet, sweet. But I do get samples of it from people and the blueberry muffin is in there. Um, I just had my outdoor crop this year, which uh, I let go to seed and all oh, the seeded stuff is so. That's the other thing I saw on one of the questions there. Um, uh, <clears throat> uh, more full effect, more uh, uh, profile, uh, a more complete profile, I think, on the seeded herb. All the great herbs were either hermaphroditic. All of the great hash all came from seeded field run 
uh, uh, pot from cannabis. Um, <clears throat> so I think there's something in there to to cannabis actually uh, being being seeded, even just somewhat. I noticed in my uh, uh, trials and errors through the day that when I would just dust the lower branch, you know, I was doing uh, breed work, but didn't want the whole room. So you, you take some pollen in with a brush and, and you hit that little couple buds on a lower branch, mark them. So you know what they are. I've used as many as three different males on one plant. Yeah. Uh, hope, I, I think it was successfully. There may have been some carryover. Uh, at any rate, it was, it was satisfying enough for me to, to see that it worked. Um, so that plant that only got partially uh, seeded still had that uh, more uh, complete profile. And it's subtle. I mean, your average person, your average smoker probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the seeded and the non-seeded herb. But given time and, and given the development of a palate, yeah, there's for me definitely a difference. <laughs> and it's better. I prefer the seeded to the non I have to uh, take a moment to point out to our, our listeners two things. Um, I know a lot of a lot of people ask me for, you know, like, hey, you know, like what what kind of, you know, who should I get seeds from or, you know, what packs are great or whatever. I just want to point out two things. When I asked DJ Short about uh, his his work, his first thing was describing the highs <laughs> of each plant in detail and record and how he records them and keeps track of them. So to me, that says an awful lot about you, my friend. It's most, I don't hear that response from a lot of people. I hear, you know, people are looking for, you know, the nice structure and they're looking for, you know, a certain trichrome, trichome, excuse me. Um, and I don't think I've heard anyone start describing the high in terms of like onset and all of that and the nuance there. And, you know, props to you, man, because at the end of the day, that's what we want, right? I mean, you want, and, you know, the joke around here is, you know, it's just weed. And man, I, I tell you, like there, I do get a different, you know, sensation from different varieties, a hundred percent. And they're not all the same for everybody. So to have somebody or to, to grow seeds from somebody that's making them with, you know, to, that's going through that level of detail and really understands it to that uh, extent is probably something that's worth checking out. Tip, pro tip. <laughs> um, and then, uh, the other one I want to ask you real quick, and then I want to turn it. I want to uh, ask you some questions for the DGC. But um, when I look at the the latest offerings up, like uh, if you, if you go over to like seeds seeds here now, there are some of your classic varieties. I think blueberry is correct me if I'm wrong, but it's an F five, right? Right. Blueberry right. F five. So my question to you is 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 that meant? Is that worked towards? Uh, the blueberry clone or what exactly am I getting like, if I'm looking for the blueberry, um, am I trying, trying to find old seeds or do I uh, grow the F5? If I'm looking for that blueberry clone kind of thing, what's, are they similar? I curious about that. Yeah. Well, first of all, the, the blueberry and the flow seed that I offered right now, is exactly the same, the same mother and father since 1998. Cool. Okay. So it is the OG seeds. You're getting the yeah, same thing. So those, those clones, those mothers and the father, the father's also, they're all F4s. So those are fourth generation out. Um, <clears throat> and I did F5 for a reason. Um, I've grown out all the way, I think all the way to F10, but it's around F8, the eighth generation 
they they acclimate to the indoor environment. They kind of all sort of become the same thing. They've got little differences, you know, subtle little quirky differences. But by the eighth generation growing in that indoor environment, the high is pretty much all the same. No, I noticed uh, across, um, the uniqueness of that land race variety was still present in those F5s. Uh, enough so that people had some room to work with. People came up with things, right? They do a pheno hunt in there and, 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 and find these, these various things, keep a mother plant going. There's a whole new strain, you know, and depending on their, it'd be nice if everyone were honest in their, in their labeling. And they said, look, this is the parent, but some people want to, you know, take that credit. Um, and so then I don't get credited towards certain strains that are out there. Genetic testing is going to bring all this home to roost uh, eventually, and we'll get a pretty good idea of what came from where. Yeah. Uh, but for right now, the original genetics, the, the uh, blueberry and the flow that, that are offered right now through Seeds Here Now and other distributors, are they're the real deal. Okay. And, and so they're, they're there, they, and they are F5s. Um, uh, so that <clears throat> you do have some a little bit of room in there to work, but they're stable enough so that you can find your blueberry phenotype. But then there's a range in there where there's some stuff that's a little better, some not quite oh. as good too. There's, it goes okay. both ways, but the bulk of majority, fifty percent of what's in that pack will fit the description. Okay, and the the other one that I have personal experience with yours is uh, the flow, and if I remember correctly, there is a pheno. Of the flow, I don't remember if it's the temple, the temple pheno or something like that. But dude from our show used to uh, run that cut or that pheno, and it was just absolutely incredible. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering if that is a how rare it is. Like if I buy a pack, would I see that, or do I need to buy you know run a bunch or? Again, uh, one word, just to point out again, make sure you're doing it as organic and as simple as possible. Don't um, um, over flood them with, with any kind of nutrient or anything. You can build them up to any PPM. Do it slowly. Okay. Right. Any sign of burn back off, give them a little while. They will acclimate to uh, a PPM. It's just when they get that too much at first, then they go into newt lock and, and they become a different, a different thing. <clears throat> so, yeah, those those are uh, they're in there in the flow, and uh -huh. and and, uh, and one of the questions I did see later on was uh, recommending like were any of my strains I considered a sleeper strain, and that's flow. Flow is I just overlooked. Um, there's a lot going on in there. She's just got more of a sativa characteristic, yep. so she can be a little harder to manicure. Uh, that kind of thing doesn't quite have that indica look. Not quite as deep in the sweet flavors, but more savory, more yes. of that, that tem uh, temple, so, yeah. temple hash. It's yep. kind of greasy and it just coats your tongue. That's the the cut that or the pheno that was kind of going around here. I don't remember. There's part of me that wants to say it was referred to as the Colorado cut of it. Um, Could but, be. But it was beautiful and it was super delicious. And one of the things, to be honest, was the fantastic high. It was just made you feel good and just wanted it was just a great daytime it was the perfect daytime buzz yes yes flows she was a one in a million plant <clears throat> in my opinion 
she uh, was sprouted in 91, 91 or 92. Uh, so we're 40 years old now. Oh, wait, with 90, oh, two to 30, whatever Oof, she is. 30, 32. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, there she is. Um, and she hasn't um, uh, lost any of this. It's it's that uh, uh, day smoke. She looks like a sativa, grows like a sativa, has these uh, skinny leaves. Yep. Uh, 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 pointy, nice, nice uh, pointy spade-shaped buds, <clears throat> or spear, rather. She's got the spear buds. But uh, an early finish, uh, seven, seven and a half weeks, and she's done. But then this uplifting, long, it's, it's a slow onset, long, high, just, just puts you in the groove. You know, you want to you know, smoke that when you go out shooting pool or going skiing, bowling or something. skiing in the groove uh, with that stuff. So, yeah, she's, she's kind of a sleeper, overlooked a bit. I understand why, because blueberry is so popular. You know, she's just... And and my old line, I've said this so many different times. I'll say it again here for how did I come up with the blueberry? Well, that's the one that best helped me heal myself. So when I smoke that, you know, finished product, yeah, and it's it's a blueberry. Like, oh man, there you are. Out of all of all of this stuff I'm smoking, you're the one that just you know satisfies. So there, there's there's where that came from. That's awesome. So that's going to be my other pro tip, everybody, is uh, check out the flow if you haven't already. I will definitely vouch for that one personally. That's a favorite. Um, if you don't mind, my friend, I'm going to um, I do want to read through these. I, I've been kind of putting it off here and I don't want anybody to think I'm going to blow them off. So let me just give yeah. you a few quick ones here. The first one is from Hugo Ballesteros. And uh, he wants to know what a semi sterile male is. And quite frankly, so do I. I've never heard of that before. Sure. He puts out um, he puts out a lot of male flowers, male buds, but only a few of them will put out pollen, or that pollen won't be viable um, <clears throat> through most of the plant. Somewhere in his life, like I'll leave him in the room there, and some he'll he'll eventually put out something that will catch, um, but it's not uh, shoots no a lot of blanks, kind of thing. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. I had never heard that before. Is that? I'm assuming that is not desirable. Um. Or well, it depends. You know. Um. For 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 what you're looking at at it for. I mean, your males wouldn't pollinate the room. Uh. You know, is one positive side on that, but it varies through time. Like he's he's sterile most of the time, but then all of a sudden, boom, he's not. So. Um, hmm. but, but th- and that was, um, there are also semi-sterile females where she's in the room, full male going off. Everybody else is fully seated. And she's got maybe two dozen seeds on her. Like the Mac, the Mac one is like that, right? Uh, uh, I've heard right. that. I've heard that. I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that it might be because it's a, a triploid, um, Could where be. it's got an extra chromosome and... Sure. It's just not able to pollinate correctly. Yeah, all but. of this goes back to, I'm relatively certain, a, a thing called colchicine. And I, I put this on the Highland Tide because I saw these traits, the, the, the albino splotches, the variegation in the leaf, the crinkled leaves and whatnot. That's all uh, symptoms of uh, somewhere in the past having colchicine. <clears throat> Colchicine is a gout medicine. It's a very toxic substance uh, genetically. 
you don't want to get it on you at all. And the, the, the way it works in, in uh, agriculture, and this is where seedless watermelons came from, a, a bunch of different things. You uh, apply colchicine to thousands of seeds. You soak them in a colchicine. They did it with pot. And only a few of them will sprout, right? Maybe two or three if you're lucky. Yeah. And those two or three sprout are completely deformed. They are just this, this deformed thing that you would not recognize at all. And then generationally, they start losing that. But it's this, it's this polyploidy. It brings out a polyploidy that you don't find with natural selection. Um, and so you get these more potent things, these more uh, uh, flavorful things, I think, is where they came from. Uh, and I, I, I would reason to guess that that was from a colchicine um, application. At some time in the past, I'm assuming the Highland Tide. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I'll accept it. Um, All right, uh, moving to the next one, Uh, our pal Dankasaurus. Now, we kind of asked you this already, um, but uh, he was wondering if uh, what you're currently working on and if you have any old school stuff unreleased that everyone thinks is long gone. Yeah, I'm always working on something. I have my other uh, friends, Blue Star Seed Company and Second Generation Genetics is my son, uh, J.D., um, both doing these things, they're working with the elites, which I don't have time or space for. So I said, okay, go for it and put the F4 blueberry uh, pollen to that. So I'm working with them. They are working on, uh, uh, Josh at Blue Stars, working on some fabs. We're trying to get the blueberry. <clears throat> I think the blueberry is just, uh, the, cu- the cut is too old. She, she does, she's not responding well. Same with the flow. We're not getting enough pollen coming off to get viable seed. <clears throat> Got a few. And I think what we're going to do is self one of those. So we have the S1 blueberry. <clears throat> we'll grow that out. And then to do commercial production of, of blueberry seed, we would self that, of course, test it um, before it goes out. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, I got another one from uh, the AK Spud. And he asks, will he ever drop a mixtape or only fire genetics? And uh, he's he's just looking to find out what strains you chose to keep around and kind of why you're interested in those. And I and I know part of it's going to be high, right? Yep, yep. Pretty <laughs> much ninety nine percent of it is is how how they make me feel. <clears throat> and an excellent example there's Vanna Luna, uh, which I said uh, was related to uh, Coco Kush and Blue Satellite. They all came from the same <clears throat> mother stock, um, and uh, we're great hash producer. Uh, Reader Steve, uh, if you're familiar with the cover of my book, actually, I've got a copy right here. And I can show you this picture so you know. It's easy. That one. Okay. And this this picture in particular, Andre Grossman took took this photo. He, he showed up. He was late. This plant, uh, this is 22 weeks in bud. <laughs> breeder steve kept the plant alive because andre grossman was late getting there it was also grown guppy ponics in a, in a big warehouse in switzerland um and so he he took it was late very very late but the hash that plant made first of all they were mainly in the 160 or the, the larger 140 i forget what the bigger screen is uh was was most of the heads and it was it was just phenomenal. So it was the best hash I've smoked since the day, uh, back in the day. 
Um, so she's a really nice one for hash production, Vanaluna. As you can kind of see, she gets she's a little leafy too. You know, she's got that uh, I call it a, a tighter, tighter indica, tighter cush. A lot of uh, more surface area for washing, I guess. Yeah, or sifting, exactly. sifting as it were. And 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 looseness of bud. You know, she's got a, the 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 flower itself is large. It's a large calyx, but they're not tightly packed. They're a little 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 bit looser, which is nice for hash. And so, what was eight case bud asking? Uh, Mixtape. I did release. It was called uh, "Everything Delightful." Uh, line from the Grateful Dead song, um, and that was just a you know that I had extra of this, that, and the other thing. There's some blueberries some flow, or maybe something was not labeled correctly. And so we're not sure. Oh, throw that in there. Um, and I'll, I'll do that again. I want to do that again because it was offering the genetics at a lower price and then, and the Fino hunt is in there. So, and they sold out that everything delights. If I remember uh, right, you had some breeder packs or something. They were a little bit, yeah, they were like 30, 30 seeds or something like that. No, the Breeders' Choice. Breeders' uh, Choice, that's 16, it. And there, there were four of those, all a little different, again, through the Indica and Sativa range. The Like, mix number three had most of the variegation. So if you wanted the Mutant, oh, cool. uh, uh, mix number three. And there still are a few of those left. I think I have 50, 60 packs of those left. There's also some of the mix number two, which was Indica-leaning and sweet. And mix number four which was the most like blue moonshine, probably the most potent was that, that mix number four. Uh, and there's still some of those around as well. It's a cool uh, idea for doing that, by the way. I like that. Cool. Yeah. 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 And probably do the same thing again at some point in time. And then the question is always interested why they chose the genetics they did. And that just comes back to the high. Yeah. You got to feel it. Back to the high. <laughs> All right. Uh, excellent answer. Uh, okay, next up, I've got uh, Andy. And, um, oh, this is uh, perfect. He's looking yep. for uh, strains that wash well. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, the Vanaluna. Um, on my Breeder's Choice mixes, two and four would probably wash the best. Blueberry wash is nice. Um, and we're talking about bubble hash here. I'm talking when you say, I think so. Yeah. That seems yeah. to be our crews. They're the, those types of folks. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. And we're working on the Vanaluna and there may be a feminized Vanaluna coming out. So I got a uh, blue star working on that. Uh, so while he's doing that, we're going to see about selfing, uh, that Vanaluna Vanaluna. There's another sleeper. It's like, it's like flow. Um, it's kind of like blueberry and flow mixed together. It's a little more sedate, but it has an upness to it. Uh, um, just really nice smoke. It's kind of been my go-to lately, especially cured for a couple of years. Um, so <clears throat> there's those, what? uh, what else? What do you, out? what do you put? Are you just vacuuming, vacuum sealing it? Or how do you keep it for like literally years with, without it getting what? dry? Uh, whatever pollen or well uh, what you were just talking about it would uh cure out for two oh, years oh, oh no that was just bud and then that's just in uh jars i think i got one sitting over here these came to me years later oh if you know about the uh violive glass that's this blue stuff 
Uh, I think I've seen it in like chemistry class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, this okay. Blue blue glass. Uh, Violive is the like main company. The Chinese are doing something else. These these aren't terribly cheap, but they're not really expensive either. Um, like what I have in here right now, <laughs> it's it's HP stands for Happy Pussy, which I renamed to High Priestess because I don't know Happy Pussy just for whatever reason. I like it. You know what? People got really yeah. Somebody offended somebody. I get it. Right, right, right. But my whole intent was it makes you purr. It's it's and so happy. It's completely pussy. innocent. Yeah, yeah. Well, sort of. I mean, you know, who can complain when there's a happy pussy around? Um, so this is dated October twenty third, twenty sixteen. Wow. And it but it doesn't dry out, or is there something different oh, about no, the jar? It, it it dries. Um and I suppose I could put something in there to wet it. I also do the farmer's trim. Where I leave a bit more uh, of the as do I. I everybody uh, teases me around here for doing that. In fact, uh, right now, uh, that's kind of what I do. Is that see, I'll have like a little bit of leaf hanging out, and yep, as I'm yep. sitting here hanging out at the studio, I'll I'll kind of do that final final pick through and it's it protects it. It's like real roll cages. Let's <laughs> see if we get you beat my buddy. Oh, here he is. He's my uncle Bob's. Is that the happy pussy? Uh, one of them. He's Uncle Bob's. Uncle Bob. Aw. Do your cats have an affinity for cannabis at all? Not really. They no. sleep under. It, but, it, you know, they don't really need it. They're young. He's, he's still oh, just post-kitten stage. Uh, they adopt me. I've got this uh, cat's bar that I set up outside to feed the strays. <clears throat> I've got another one in here, Mr. Bean's. He'll, he'll, he'll come around. Um, oh, right anyhow, on. What the heck are you doing? All right. So let me, I, the next one is, uh, well, Gill's boy, we, we kind of answer. And then um, I've got JLL Token. That's probably JR. It's misspelled. Is that supposed to be JR? So. Uh, shout out to JR. <laughs> uh, do you think anyone trying to get into breeding would, would or should start with mixing old world genetics or new, more available hybrids or a combination. So I'm really curious about that as well. I was going to ask you about sort of the gene pools from, you know, like what you've been working with and collecting over the years versus what seems to be pretty common uh, around now. Like it seems to be a little more homogenized. Well, you know, it's going to have to do with what do you have access to? Some people have access, some people don't. If you don't have access, just grow whatever you can. Just, just, you're not going to regret it. Now, when you say work. when you say access, you mean like like in an illegal kind of place, or because I see like in um, there's all sorts of like land race stuff. There's there's no shortage of uh, seeds of online. It seems. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, partly legal, illegal, but no more for um, capitalist side of it, where people are holding back. You know what? Whatever this this is. This is a proprietary strain, and okay, and you, you you can't do this. No, just grow whatever you can. Gotcha. It's like my stuff. Uh, I think I got the little disclaimer on there that it, it's do whatever you want, but when you start making money off of it, you'll need to talk to the lawyers. You know, I mean, the, 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 there's how else do you deal with that? And so people circumvent that by not being forthright about 
their source of genetics and then just claim, well, I've got this on my own somehow or whatever. I mean, there have, there have been people who have found this out who would buy, you know, 10 packs of my seeds, I said, 10 packs of blueberry. They get them home. They empty the packs out. They repackage and then call it something else. And, and they're sending my blueberry seeds out in their packs, doubling the price. So, yeah. Shady, it, shady, it, shady. Well, sort of. You know, what? what is it? Uh, uh, um, well, it's white labeling form, without permission, basically. Well, the best form of flattery is is when, uh, when you, when you Imit- reproduce something. Or, imitation. Imitation. Imitation is the best form of flattery. And then uh, who was it? You know, the artist. Um, good artists copy, great artists steal. There is some truth to that, but but I feel you though. If you put a lot of work into something, I'm sure it's not fun when someone just takes all of your effort and uses it as a shortcut to their profit making venture. Sure, and then you know I always bring that back to myself because I like to practice my empathy. How do I repay the people in Thailand? How do I repay the brotherhood who got that to me? You know, other than. Being honest and saying, hey, look, you know, there, there's other people did this, too. Yeah. At the same time, you I, I feel like it's OK when you do put the work in yourself. Um, and I don't know you know, exactly how much. But when you put work in yourself, you're definitely earning the ability to, I, you know, you've added value. And therefore, you know, it's, it has a has a cost associated sure. with it. So that's how I feel sure. about it. So like you were saying, if someone's just flipping your, your seeds, they're not really adding any value. If somebody is taking your work and uh, you know, using it, a, a mail that they found with your, you know, stuff and, you know, working it out and that's different, you know, but there, there, there's also, there's a boundary in that regard. And I've, I've dealt with this back in the day on online overgrow and reading people would post things and they go, Oh, <clears throat> I, I I improve the blueberry. I don't mean this. Just to be clear, I don't mean the same thing. Not trying to recreate the same thing, but like working it to something different. Oh sure. Well, that that was their intent. You know, I improved the blueberry. They got the blueberry. They bred it with their perspective. What their perspective was was potency. You see, there in their mind, improving the blueberry was making it more. Uh, okay, but but right? but I. But so, that, oh. I, I more than I kind of bred against that because I there were some blueberry lines when I was testing that in my opinion were too potent. One of those ended up being blue moonshine. Interesting, and that's what I released it as, and I, it's in the description. Um, but too po- it, it, too potent? How? Like, what, what does that mean to to be too it potent? Gets uncomfortable. If you smoke too much, like your heart's you, gonna like pop out of your chest, kind of. Like one uncomfortable or, or, or two, uh, one, one term that I, I, I use that I say that I bred out of my strains was this concept of stupefication. Okay. <laughs> the ones that make you stupid, you know, that where, and there's a place for it. I'm not, I'm not knocking this. It's like a, a couch lock, heavy couch lock in because um, someone trying to get off of an opiate, medication yeah. yeah they need that heavy hitting indica it's not my favorite right but they have their preference so preference is a is a point of of, of perspective it's a point of preference you you're absolutely right i learned that lesson uh, a bit ago actually shout out to jr token um he he uses uh cannabis for pain 
And so one day I had the revelation, uh, and this is just a shout out to his uh, cherry Paloma cut, but that, that weed is very, to me, is very confusing. It's, it is, you just can't remember what you were doing. And, and you know what, it's fun when you're in college and you're with your buddies and you're being silly, but it's not something that you want to work with, but the other part about that is, man, if you're in pain, that really helps you to not think about it and not focus on it. And so I just saw it from a different perspective. And to your point, it's not the same for everybody's got a kind of a different purpose, you know? Yep. 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 And so it, it's what floats your boat. Yeah. You know? And and I, I can't knock that. And so the, the amazing thing is, is that no matter what it is, there's a market for it somewhere. And this is going to come home to roost with a lot of pharmacology. And you have some of these, you know, sativas or hazes that maybe they don't have the whatever. They didn't quite smell the same like that. Black African I used to smoke. It was like uh, the, the muck that you find in the gutter dried up. You know? <laughs> and it didn't really have any particular flavor. Yeah. But the high from that was like DMT. Or take DMT, you know, the, the taste on DMT. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's kind of uh, it's a burning plastic but you it's an acquired taste i hate that smell <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just disgusting but, but once you once you once your brain goes that smell there's the high it's yeah and part and parcel uh, uh with with that aspect of i feel it. like so, it's it's yeah. it's it's way of telling you that you really only want to do a little bit <laughs> you know the worst it tastes in, in no hurry to return. <laughs> oh, and in, uh, uh, yeah, working with the land race or, or with the hybrids, access, I meant, is, is if you have access to land race, by all means, give them a whirl. Yeah. Um, realize that the bulk and majority of your finished product's not going to past the muster when you're talking you know field run sativas that you are now growing in an indoor environment we're talking one out of 20 one out of 10 somewhere in there are going to be standouts okay that's what looking for when when you're doing doing the hybrids i grew thousands yeah uh, of those that passed through my hands either me or i had a bunch of uh people i was working with uh doing outdoor things that were you know, well, here, try these out and let's see what happens and get feedback uh, from them on that. So, yeah, a bunch of different ways to go. So and that t- obviously is going to take a long time to run all those seeds and, and keep keep mm-hmm. going from there. Is there do you think that um, there's any well, is it, can you provide any tips like if you're looking for well, what I've heard from a lot of people is that the old school varieties just have the wider turp profiles. And the, a lot of the newer stuff is really more, I'll say, narrow um, yep. in focus, yep. a smaller gene pool, if you will. And that's what sure. I mean by the uh, sort of homogenization of it is where, you know, there's a lot of the similar kind of stuff. So uh, I'm curious what you think about that. I mean, is there, you know, what do we do? Do we Should we be kind of exploring the, the wider, you know, older stuff, even if it doesn't have 33% THC? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is, you know, back to the Chinese and big pharma and whatnot. It's what they're going to do. And that's what I'm looking forward to doing. I'm working. I'm waiting right now. I, I kind of serve fate. You know, it's it's what 
what she puts on my plate is what I have to deal with. And my partner in Southern California had to deal with this legal hassle. We're waiting for things to, to come together with him down there. But that's the goal. We want to grow up R&D, R&D facility. Nothing is going to prove my value in this industry more than sprouting my library. I've only released, I say 30 to 40, maybe 50% of my library. All right. And, and the bulk of majority of it isn't, it's subpar. Mm-hmm. It's not what we're after. It's lower potency, lower, you know, not as flavorful. Um, but there are still magical things in there. Like every flavor of haze. I keep talking about this every flavor of haze thing. And I've seen them come and they that oh, you're another haze variety. I can't use you because I'm doing commercial seed in the 90s and hazes were not. But you mark it on the label, it goes up on the shelf in the freezer, wherever. Yeah. And it's for uh, it's for future reference. Well, I mean, uh, the way that I see it is like you've already done, you did that work, right? So, you know, for, it would be cool to see more breeders kind of using yeah, that I, kind of I, thing I, as a starting point today. I did some of that work. I didn't do all of it. There's, there's a more than work. more than most, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll go there. But, you know, uh, Amsterdam, Sam the Skunk Man, he's there working with GW Pharmaceutical. I'm sure I've, ne- I've never really met him. Um, I know of him. We, we've corresponded online um he just, it was a scary dea thing that i didn't when i was going to answer <laughs> no I'll, I'll pass on on that meeting um Suspicious. self-survival at the time is all it was but uh, who knows he is a very knowledgeable person mm-hmm. in terms of uh, uh dave watson is actually his name uh, sam is coming you were you uh you said 2017 was your online time when when were you on the boards? Uh, I wasn't so much on the boards. I didn't really get into grow, doing it serious or growing it seriously till uh, 2014. Before okay. that, uh, when I would spend time online, it was definitely on the down low. I would not be creating accounts and posting, um, and I sure. wasn't growing at that time. So I was more interested in just uh, strains. Like I would, I, uh, I spent a lot of time in New York City, and so I had access to very good pot. And so when, uh, you know, homeboy, when the, you know, bike dude came over and he had all this amazing weed and different strains like shishka berry and all this, I was always curious about it, where it came from. I wanted to know everything about it. So that was more, sure. more, my research was more about that kind of stuff. Uh, early two thousands, let's say late nineties, it was more about strain kind of stuff. And then to be honest, the reason that I do this show is because I used, and then when it was time to, for me to start growing, uh, I wanted to find some seeds and I would start browsing through Seedsman and the other catalogs and I'd just see all these pictures and I would have no idea why I would pick this breeder versus that one because it was all just names. The pictures were probably fake and probably not what you were getting. And, you know, the descriptions were pretty lacking. So I thought, um, you know, uh, instead of trying to get information on every individual strain, I kind of want to know 
where it comes from and who is put, who's behind it. And to me, it says everything. And when I talk to you and I hear you talk about um, the things that you believe in, in terms of, you know, the, the mom and pop, the, the small, and obviously your top thing is quality and the effects. And that's kind of how I am. And like I said, I'm okay with people doing it commercially and making money on it. But for me, um, there has to be a home grow. There has to be a community around it. That's just something that's really important to me. Uh, I enjoy participating in it. That's why I do this show. And uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on because you are a, a hero to a lot of us here. I mean, man, it's, it's, you know, 50 years of growing cannabis. And when I was a kid at that, at that time, that was like, seemed like such an evil, like, oh my God, you know, you're going to just get locked up for jail, if not killed for doing that. It was just something that was absolutely not acceptable. So to hear someone like you growing, you know, like you said, like thousands of plants or whatever at a time in order to make something better and all for the purpose of enjoying a nuance of flavors and a high, like mad respect, like that's just amazing. Cool. And I like to remind, I always say this, just, you know, going into the future, the best is yet to come. I, I, I love to hear that. I, I really do. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like to harsh on anybody's work, but, um, I am personally, a, a one of, uh, a believer in sort of the, the width uh, or the bandwidth of the terpene profile and the wider, the better. Um, so it seems to me like if, if we're going to keep that going, uh, we've got to go back and we need the wider the gene pool to find, you know, what else is out there. Yep. So I'm, I'm all for that. Thank you so much for coming on. I have one more question for you. And that is, um, what do you do when you're not growing weed? What do you like to do when you're just, you know, not growing, not breeding, not doing anything weed related? Lately. Um, I've been home. I've been home for a couple of years now. Um, prior to that, <clears throat> I was busy helping both of my parents pass from this life. Uh, mother was in Washington state. Dad was in Michigan and I was their only caregiver. I went, I, I forget how many years, I think it's, uh, maybe 10 years, eight, 10 years. I was not in the same place for longer than two weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, and now I'm back here. I'm up here in, in Eastern Oregon, which I, I love being here. I got my kitties. I set my cats up. Um, they're kind of my bellwether. They're, uh, they're, I, I, I built this thing in the yard, found these, I call it the cat spot. It's heated and it's got cameras and they got everything they need out there. Last year I had 13, I think 13 or 14 identified on the camera um i'm working on one right now he's lame and one leg he's got bad legs he almost died i had to bring him back from the brink he's still feral but he's hanging out i call him buki uh because he reminds me of charles bukowski and his recovery and his he shows me that he enjoys life he's out there in the sun he doesn't know i'm looking at him but he's rolling in the sun and I, there's no nothing no better feeling in the world than 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 helping oh here's he knows you're talking again. about him <laughs> yeah he's telling me yeah, you know i'm talking about you don't you so anyhow that's kind of my i do my garden i, I love my garden uh eating eating out of the garden i'm looking forward to getting back in the game yeah um just waiting for things to settle down these last couple of years were the best time to take a break 
from the industry. This was not the time. Uh, I, I, I feel sorry for so many people I saw just get eaten up. Yeah. By this regulatory boards and, and whatnot. It was unnecessary. It was, it was completely unnecessary. And I hope that these people that got screwed sue. I hope they sue to high heaven because that's what needs to happen. They were screwed because of regulatory decisions on the safest substance known to human beings. It's so Kafkaesque, it's, it's pathetic. So, but anyhow, you know, that's kind of my thing to well, my horn. Make, making beans, get packaging them up, getting them out there. That's why my hand is screwed up right now. I, I didn't wrap it while I was separating seed from bud and messed my wrist up. It's an old injury. I had carpal tunnel when I was 19 years old at a UAW factory in Michigan. So it's nothing new. I know how to deal with it. Um, but there's my but life. It's good to hear that you're uh, that you're back. I didn't, uh, to be honest. I I thought you had kind of like retired or just weren't doing it anymore. So it's uh, well, it's exciting that you're bringing it back. And uh, again, everybody that's looking for the blueberry, uh, you can still get the the good old seeds. Um, they are available. So uh, give them a ride, especially the flow. I'm telling you. Cool. So thank, thank you. you so much for having on. I'd love to have you back uh, in the near future. It's, it's a blast hanging out with you. And man, there's just cool. so many interesting things to talk about. I really had a good time. Yeah, same here. Same here. I always enjoy this. Uh, yeah, And like I said, uh, we, the shows have been on hiatus since the COVID. And I used to do talks at the show, sit on panels, do whatever. Yeah. Um, so having this opportunity for me is is very rewarding as well. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to our next get together too. Excellent. Excellent. I'm glad you had a good time. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate you. Go check them out at seedsherenow.com or it is DJ Short. No, sorry. DJgenetics.com. You can also go there. Yeah. All right. Take it easy, everybody. We'll see you next time. Peace.